On this episode of the Byron Lazine podcast, I get to hang out with my good friend, Christoph Chu, one of the most luxurious real estate agents in the entire country. Christoph dominates Beverly Hills. He's got some of the best content for luxury real estate, and he tells some pretty cool stories on this one. You will enjoy. Well, it's been a while since we've done one of these. Last time we, we got to do a $20 million home tour vlog, which was amazing. That was really fun when you came out to Beverly Hills. We got to yeah. hang out. That was yeah. really fun. <laughs> so it, we obviously catch up at these, but what's just like, what's been happening in your life? What's been going on? God, uh, not a lot of travel, unfortunately. I, mean, I used to travel quite a bit internationally, but my wife is not quite ready for that yet. You do <clears throat> fancy travel too, so well, you do yeah. it right. Yeah. I mean, I was years ago, I learned you spend money to make money. Yeah. And I remember my first big, big trip costs a quarter of my annual gross income, but that one trip made me $2 million in the last 30-some years, so it was worth it. It was worth it. So <laughs> yeah, less I, travel. And I figure if, if you don't go and do I mean, not everybody wants to travel luxuriously, but I do, and uh, when you do what you love, the best things come to you, so yeah. Less travel, but Beverly Hills is not a bad place to be hanging out. Yeah, I love being there. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, you liked it too, didn't you? I love it. I, I mean, <laughs> and I love going back too. It's just, well, anytime, you know you're yeah, welcome. <laughs> I, I love going there. What's the what's the market like? Um, we're actually our market is pretty strong. Uh, particularly, our market high end is five million plus. Mm -hmm. So every month we do a market update, and as of it, it, it dropped a little bit uh, July to August in terms of the number of sales. I want to ask you. Yeah. Do you think it has more has to do with? more people are traveling. You said your wife's not ready to travel yet, but I right. think that this is probably going to be the most traveled summer when you yes. look back on it yes. in the history. Yeah. Do you think that has something to do with it? Or I more definitely think so. Other other dynamics. So that and other dynamics? Or? I don't, I think other dynamics is just the media and what people perceive, you know, it's yeah. all perception. But uh, d typically, you know, July 4th, I say through about mid-August that, you know, most people who are of money are traveling to Europe for a month or two or whatever. So I think that was certainly part of it. And this year, like you said, more, more people were traveling to Europe than ever before. So in a way, I'm glad I didn't go because it was so crowded everywhere and it was hotter than heck in France and Italy. So, um, but uh, yeah, so it, the change was, um, we're off 5% overall over 5 million from this year compared to last year, the first six months. But when you look at the higher numbers, I don't remember exactly, but the 20 million plus was up like 60%. The 30 million plus was up like 72%. So the higher you went, the more sales compared to even a year ago, which was higher than the year before, etc. But under 5 million is slowed. And again, we don't really have a seasonal market, but I think a lot of the families, they want to be in the house by end of May, June, you know, get whatever renovations done, go on their trips, and then come back for school mid-August. So I think, yeah, it was a little bit combination of the two, but we're not seeing any major changes. And I would say the last two, three weeks since kind of summer's over, um, the market's picked up in terms of volume. And Beverly Hills is still as desirable <clears throat> in terms of demand as ever before. Seems to be. I mean, we've had our issues the last couple of years, like every city has. And people are like, oh my God, Beverly Hills doesn't seem safe like it used to be. You know, we've had some things happen, but uh, I, I feel as safe there as I ever could be anywhere else. So yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that's blown out of proportion I or, think so. or there, there is some change, but there is some change, but I think it's blown out of proportion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the headlines want to say shooting in Beverly Hills or crash and um, what do they call that? Uh, smash and grab or like they smash the windows. Yeah. We've got really high end luxury stores. So, you know, when 
COVID first happened and there was the BLM situation, they came and literally ransacked every store in Rodeo Drive. So I think it's a good place for them to steal very high-end products that they resell and all that. So, but yeah. But that was, that was a, that came and went. It's Correct. not a lasting issue. Correct. In, Correct. In Beverly Hills. Yeah. What's some, what's some, uh, well, you can't say it, but what are maybe some, <laughs> some interesting stories with some of these really notable clients you've had recently since the last time we hung out? Interesting stories. Um, most of my client base is our wealthy business people okay. or international business people. I do work with celebrities. They're a little bit harder to work with just simply because as you probably work with celebrity clients, they have, you know, their business managers, their lawyers, their PR people, their, a, a lot, lot of people team. making the decisions, yeah. not them. And they may like the house and then this one says no and that one says no and that one says no and then it's a no. Whereas a businessman or woman, they come in and just, I want it, let's make a deal and make it happen. So uh, I like the business people as opposed to the celebrities. <laughs> and so you, that's your your niche and yes. so that you're trying to do your networking in that area mm -hmm, exactly and so when you get a when you get a business client somebody who's whether they're an investor or they own a bunch of businesses yeah what do you do to ask for that referral because in real estate we're always told you got to ask for the referral is it as simple as just asking them like somebody would a five hundred thousand dollar seller is it the same for a seven million dollar business seller Good question. Um, I, w I don't really ask for the referral. Um, it organically comes, but I don't just say, you know, you're supposed to be like, when you sign the contract, oh, by the way, who are your two or three friends you can help me, you know, work with? When you enter an escrow, same question. When you close the escrow, same question. I don't really ask those questions. Um, they just naturally do send me referrals. I don't like to put people on the spot, make them feel like they, they are forced to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's no subtle hints, or do you tell a story of when one of your other clients might have given you a referral to maybe drop the hint to them? Um, maybe not consciously. Yeah. And I'm very, very careful of not mentioning names of other clients. Yeah. Uh, because particularly in the world of really wealthy clients, they all kind of, not always, but they often know each other. So I got a new client from Hong Kong. Uh, very wealthy couple. They so we started talking, and they own an apartment in downtown. They have a property up on the peak, which is in the Hong Kong uh, island. And I said, "Really, what street?" And then I know right away the street because I have two other friends that live on that street that are clients. And I said, "Oh, I've got a number of clients and friends that live on that street right near you." And I but I don't mention names. I don't talk about it because I don't know what their relationship is with them. And you never want somebody to say, oh, I was talking to Christoph, and he told me you just bought this $30 million house in Beverly Hills. So I have to be very careful. There's that. And it's also, well, if he's willing to throw their name, what's he going to do with my name? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So confidentiality is, is very, very important. Then now there are some that really want the notoriety. So they, you, know, you can talk what you want, but I'm very cautious of that. I think yeah. you can lose a really good client very quickly by talking too much. And I, and I think that's great advice for any price point. It's not yeah. just a luxury piece yeah. of advice. If you're in a, a market that's an average price point across the country and, and it's a small town, well, guess what? That's it's right. even probably more likely in that small town that everybody knows everybody. Right, exactly. And so if you, do, you could get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, I don't really like that person if you're hanging out with them, right? And yeah. so yeah. It, it can certainly... And Beverly backfire. Hills, really, I mean, you've been there. It's, it's, it is a very small town. That's a small area. In the midst of a big giant, you know, um, cosmopolitan, but Beverly Hills is very small. I mean, everybody kind of knows each other. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that whether it's the 
the flats or the hills. Yeah. You are the one that taught me that, by the way. <laughs> oh, did I? Yeah, when you drive around, you said, this is called, obviously, you know, I know what the hills were, but yeah. the, the area that is called the flats, yes. you were the one that actually explained that to yeah. me. Yeah, and that's a, yeah, it's a very specific zone, and certain people want to be there, and certain people don't, so yeah. I think I'd want. I think that's where they film uh, *Curb Your Enthusiasm* in the flats. The Curb Larry, Your Enthusiasm*. Larry David HBO show. I think that was in Pacific Palisades. His, oh, his house, you mean? Yeah, it's not in the flats. I don't. I, I don't recognize that house from the flats. It looks like it's Pacific Palisades. Okay, you're. That big Mediterranean. I'm gonna take your word for it. The big Mediterranean yeah. with the gates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't ever. I mean, no, I haven't seen every single house in the flats, but it looked like to me Pacific Palisades and Larry's character on the show. They would live in. They all live in Santa Monica, Pacific Palisades. It's a little different vibe. I don't okay. see Larry David wanting to live in Beverly Hills. No, <laughs> you're probably right. You're, you're, I'm going to say it. You're right. There's, there's no, no chance I know. What I I'm could talking be wrong. About. I could be very wrong. <laughs> you're a mate. Meet Larry David. Uh, I have not actually. No. no, no, he's not really a social person. At least in, I've heard in that. my world. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard that. Do you, is it like on Rodeo Drive, just bumping into celebrities all the time? or um, No, you don't bump into celebrities just walking down Rodeo Drive. and yeah. <clears throat> But you meet them at the private parties. Yeah, like you're a when, big private <clears throat> party goer. Yeah, yeah. Like when, uh, and, and every store has different parties for different situations, but if it's a really good party, we know if it's a 6 to 8 o'clock party, it's not going to be the best. Uh, if it starts at 8 o'clock and it's a store party, it's better. Um, and then they'll say, oh, we have a party from 8 to 10 at the store, and then we have the after party here, so you know it's a good one. Um, but, yeah, you meet them at the parties. Yeah. 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 And if you're not following Christoph on Instagram, <laughs> you can see some of the behind the scenes because yes. I, I get to see it. It always looks amazing. And that's one sad thing about the parties. Usually I can do little stories and all that, but they, don't, they won't let me bring videographers. They just don't want that. Yeah. yeah so, which is kind of sad. But, but you slip in the stories there. Yeah, I mean, some a little these, bit here and there. Some cool dinners and all of that. Do you feel overwhelmed and too busy building your real estate business right now to do things you know you should be doing, like posting on social media, doing clips like we're doing on Broke Agent Media, these short little reels and TikToks every single day to keep up with the content machine that you need to be keeping up with? Or maybe it's the transactions that are wasting all your time so you're not actually lead generating and doing the income producing activities that you know are gonna help you make the most amount of money in the investments that you want into your future. This is why I have used virtual assistants and use them today with Virtudesk to help scale both of my companies. See, I wouldn't be able to make all of these clips and do all of these other things I'm doing without the help of somebody taking off these non-income producing activities that need to get done to be of great service to our clients. So at least have the conversation. Click the link, have the conversation with Virtudesk. In fact, you can just start interviewing people without really any commitment at all. So at least start interviewing, seeing if there's somebody that is a fit for you, your values, your team that can add and take away all of the things that you're doing right now. Have the conversation today. You will not regret it. And but I, I kind of stopped doing that too because I go to a party and spend the whole time trying to shoot and video and then I'm not enjoying the party. Yeah. So that's not a good thing either. What's been your video content strategy right now? Um, I've been doing stories primarily. Yeah. Uh, with my video mastermind group, uh, they talked. I was never doing stories, never doing TikTok. No, not stories, excuse me, reels. Okay, reels. so you're doing reels. Reels. Short, short forms. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you were one of the first people to in the real estate industry to go long form on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. And so now you've totally switched and you've gone short form. Yeah, I mean, everything I did was pretty much long form up until maybe November. Mm -hmm. November, and then our next Masterman meeting was in January, or yeah, I think. I was in with the one in November with you, yeah, actually. In, exactly. In, in Dallas, yeah. So uh, I started doing stories, a lot more views of those. 
uh, I'm just always testing and trying different things. Lately, I've been doing, uh, I'm trying to do like one inspirational reel a day, just like talking about something that's just inspirational to me. Or if I'm feeling a certain way, I talk about what I'm feeling that I think will help other people. Like, it's interesting today, about 12 people stopped me and said, I love all your new inspirational reels. And they don't like them or comment on the reels, but they they know it and they mention it. And even clients mention it. You know, I had a bad day and it made me really feel good. Or I needed that that moment. So I just share what's, I always share what's on my mind and what's in my heart. And people like it, great. If they don't, then that's okay too. And you have so much experience and you've been doing it very authentically for a long, a long time. You've been in the business so long. Um, since 1989. Yeah. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. Were you even born in 89? Of course. 84. How old were you in 84? Well, I was born oh. in 84. Oh, geez. So you were five. five years old five. when I started in real estate. Yeah. All yeah. these young people today, it's just like, what? You're born when? In the 2000s? Are in, you serious? <laughs> besides, take technology out of it. Yeah. Because you have so much experience. What's been the biggest change in real estate, in the luxury real estate market, taking technology mm. out, what's the biggest change for you? That's a good, you know, it really hasn't changed. Uh, I would say the only thing that's changed is some of the players. When I started out in 1989, uh, I was the youngest person in the office and in the company for a very long time. Everyone was over 30, I would say 35 plus, and been there 20 years, 25 years. Nowadays, there's a lot of very young people in the business that are just out of college or even didn't go to college. I think all those shows, they see these young guys selling these major properties. All the shows that you started on. Uh, Yes. (laughs) You had a lot of spots on Million Dollar Listing. Yes. And uh, so I think that's really the only significant change I see. People still have the same concerns. People still have the same drive to buy or not buy. But yeah, other than that, I think it's just the the players in the game that have changed. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. The shows have had a lot to yeah. do with and that. And teams. I mean, there were really no teams up until, you know, six years ago in Beverly Hills. It just really wasn't a factor. There were big, big name agents. We had a couple of people. They weren't really called teams. They were just, you know, assistants. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is Million Dollar Listing LA coming back or is that done? Um, New, I, York, New York is done or on pause? New York like is that. done. I don't know if LA is coming back or not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think some of the, you know, it's always changing, but uh, I think that, you know, they run their gambit and I think it's been a while. I think it kind of gets boring after a while. If it's the same location. Yeah. 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 What was your experience like on Million Dollar Listing? Um, It was fun. What I didn't like about, I don't want to talk negatively about the show. Um, It was always fun and, you know, great houses and a lot of drama. You know, their whole thing is drama and fights between the agents. That's what they want. Yeah. Whereas when I was an HGTV cast member of Selling LA, they wanted no drama. They wanted real deals and real clients that close. And I would say to the producer, I'm like, well, when we start a, a filming track with real clients, you know, they don't always buy. They don't always sell. So that was my biggest concern. So I think that's the difference between the two shows. Yeah. 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 The one wants the action. Which one? Bravo probably was bigger, right? Because oh, yeah. because of the drama. Bravo, Bravo had twice as many viewers as we had, and yeah. we were on for three seasons. Uh, Million Dollar Listing is now 10 seasons, I think. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Who's your favorite from the crew there? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. God, I'm trying to think who's even on the LA crew right now. Um, I work with all of them. I like, I would say Josh Flagg is an interesting, fun personality. Yeah. And do, we you, know, do you ever go out drinking with him? No. He likes to drink. Yes. <laughs> we see him occasionally at certain parties. 
Yeah. The other the other cast members, we don't see them at parties. No. Um, but uh, no, I, I have never gone drinking with Josh. <laughs> I've I, drank with him at a party, but we've never gone out. No. I don't really hang out with them. Do you hang out with a lot of agents at all? Not at all. No. 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 I hang out with a lot of agents outside my market, but in L.A., uh, not too many. No. no. I do my thing, and I usually, when I go to my lunches every day, it's either friends, clients, potential clients, current clients, and then agents from out of town that come to visit, and we go out. Yeah. 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 You're still you're still doing uh, lunch every day? Yeah, pretty much. Office. Yeah, every day. Where do we go? Um, it's always changing. <laughs> um, Spago is no longer open for lunch. I go to Villaloro. I go to Porta Villa. I go to um, the Mayborn Terrace, which just reopened recently. Uh, where else do I go? Uh, uh, the Ivy, the Polo Lounge, Beller Hotel. Yeah, those are my favorite spots. <laughs> <laughs> All fabulous spots. You know, I, I need a nice, relaxing, pretty environment for lunch. You know, it's an hour or two in the middle of the day to kind of break things up and just kind of you know, decompress before the afternoon. Has going to the same restaurants over and over again in your community in Beverly Hills helped you with your business? I would say so. Um, every day at lunch, I can see more people. I can probably talk to more people I know in my sphere, walking to the restaurants, sitting outside, people walking by, saying hello, people coming in and out, than I could spending two hours on the phones calling people. Yeah, because you just see people and you say hi and... You know, especially lately, the last three months, you know, what's going on with real estate? What's going on with real estate? That's been the number one, you know, first topic that they want to ask. Yeah, so it's it's definitely good for that. How about with the restaurant owners and the connections through that? Um, have you created relationships with some I of have. the chefs and owners? I have. Um, but again, most of the people, it, you go to parties in Beverly Hills, like good friends, and there'll be like sometimes one or two real estate agents at, at the party, like yeah. Josh Flagg will be there at my friend's house and... You know, so it's 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 pretty competitive in that in that in that realm. You yeah, know? very very competitive. Everybody knows everybody, and, and Josh was born and raised in Beverly Hills from yeah. a wealthy family. I wasn't, so I'm coming in twenty twenty some years in Beverly Hills, where he's been around for you know, his whole life. He went to school there and all that stuff. You didn't start selling in Beverly Hills in eighty nine? No. no. Which market? Um, it was an area called Hancock. Well, actually, I, my first office was an area called Hancock Park, mm-hmm. about five miles east of Beverly Hills. It's okay. Uh, very nice. I mean, five miles in most people's markets is like nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> but it's 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 a very um, it's probably the mo- one of the most East Coast neighborhoods in LA. A very old school. It was um, uh, big in the nineteen turn of the nineteen ten nineteen twenties nineteen thirties. And uh, very kind of um, kind of a preppyish kind of area. That's the nicest way to put it. And uh, so I worked there, but my average price was like two hundred eighty thousand dollars. I was doing a lot more volume, and I was working there. And I was working Silver Lake, Los Feliz, um, Koreatown. Not so much in Beverly Hills because if you're if you're in Hancock Park, very difficult to get a Beverly Hills listing. But now if you're in Beverly Hills easy to get a Hancock Park listing or a Pacific Palisades or a, Los Fiat, a big property because they, and if you look at the sales quite often, in, even in those outer areas, the high end stuff, maybe 30, 40% of the buyer's agents are coming from Beverly Hills. In the luxury market like Beverly Hills, does the physical office still matter? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm even during COVID, I went to the office every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, even the office was closed. I went there and um, I said, the manager said, you guys aren't paying my bills. You're not paying my mortgage. So I'm coming to the office. I didn't have my staff come, but I said, I've got a private office with a balcony. So I'm coming. And I did. 
And he talked at one of our office meetings a few weeks ago. He said, you know, during COVID, there were a number of agents in the office that kept coming every day. And those are the ones that were the most successful during that time. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I just kept coming. The only thing is there was nowhere to go for lunch every day. It was always no. delivery. That, that sucked. It was like <laughs> 90 days, like everything was shut down except for delivery. And it was just like, what am I going to do? You know, it was sandwiches delivered, pizza, you know, that awful stuff. <laughs> what was the lull? Was it just a month and then things picked up? I think up it was about, I think it was like maybe 90 days that almost everything was closed. No, in terms of transactions. like Oh, I didn't deals. have a lull during no, COVID. No, you didn't have any lull. No, no. People were still moving around. Yeah. And maybe more so wanting to be there. I don't know. Um, you know, people... Or both, in and out. You know, 33 years in the business, I've been through several market ups and downs and crashes and riots and earthquakes and floods and, you know, everything imaginable. And people always have to buy and sell, you know? Yeah. You know, trust, you know, parents passed away and the kids want to sell the house. I mean, were they going to wait three years until COVID's over? No. So we just... So know. what would advice would you give to an agent who's never been through a market downturn, never been through an earthquake or a volcano or anything yeah. else, <laughs> that hasn't faced adversity yet in their career? What would you tell them? Um, I, I, I feel for those agents today because I think anyone who's been in the business the last six, seven years and not before then, they're going to have a really tough time of it right now because they just don't... No, I remember there was somebody on the Tom Ferry group that posted about... Um, Oh my gosh, I've never had to do an open house in my life. Uh, I don't want to do it. It's a waste of time, money, and effort. And I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm like, that, that's, that's going to be a challenge for someone, you know, never do open. You got to always do everything and then switch it around depending on the marketplace. So it's going to be challenging for those newer agents that haven't dealt with this change. Cause it, and also like interest rates, you know, people are talking, oh my God, interest rates went up. Well, when I started in 89, they were 16, 17%. So, and I've had loans at 10%, loans at 8%. So, yes, it's great that their loans were, you know, rates were in the twos. I got my loan, I've refinanced three times in the last three years. Got it in the, in the basically mid twos, which is amazing. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it went up to five. And I was like, oh, I remember people saying, no one's ever going to buy real estate again. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, people always buy and sell, you yeah. know, and, and again, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to pay today 17% interest because, you know, you figure you're. $10,000 mortgage is now going to be 50000 a month, right? But, you know, people, I sold a lot of houses in those days at those high interest rates, and I didn't know any better. I came in the business, and that's just, interest rates were this, and okay. Yeah, the first house I ever, house I ever bought was 7.5%. Okay. Which would, that number right now would be shocking right. to people. They, they don't even know that that could exist. <laughs> 17 a, yeah. would be just catastrophic. Yeah. And you think about people that are, the younger people today, I mean, when was the last time rates were in the teens? Probably 20 years ago, maybe? I don't even, I'd, I'd have I to mean, look at my history, but. First house I bought was like 04, and it was like high sevens. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't see anything in, in the double digits since then. Yeah, so so again, people have a very short attention span. All yeah. they know is, oh, God, it was so great. Well, you know, it's not that way anymore. But it's still a good opportunity today. It's still better than it was and better probably than it will be down the road. Yeah. You know? There'll be less transactions this year. They're projecting 4.8 million as opposed to the 6 million we had. Yep. Is, is, you know, does that draw the same picture in, in your market? Um, I don't think we really know what the number of transactions are going to be. I will say that the foreign investors are coming back in, foreign buyers. They, they usually like to invest in, in, you know, in, in Beverly Hills. For example, the Chinese, uh, Chinese, the Hong Kongese, the... the Taiwanese were not really coming for the last two and a half years, but they started coming in December. 
because okay. things are open again. So they are coming and they're investing again. And they also, you know, we see the U.S. as a place to put our money as a bank account. So uh, we're seeing a lot more of the foreign buyers come. I mean, the Europeans were coming, but not. it just wasn't like it was. I mean, if you look back four, I think maybe four or five years ago, four, four, four or five years ago, we had a three-year period where the Chinese investors were buying maybe 30 to 40% of luxury properties in Beverly Hills. That kind of just shut, shut off two and a half years ago. But they're coming back again. Are any of the foreign investors concerned about America's position on the world stage when they're investing in real estate here? I've never had one of them talk to me about that. No. No. So they're all in on U.S. real estate. I think no matter what, I mean, there's not a country in the world doesn't have issues and problems, whether it's economics or political stuff. The United States is still the best place in the world and the safest and the most stable. And, you know, the U.S. is always a place for people to invest. I don't think that's ever going to change. Wow, yeah, that that is a anybody worried? Listen to Kristoff; <laughs> he's going to bring no, up that, your that day. No, that that doesn't worry me at all. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it doesn't matter which which political party's in and how good they are, or how bad they are. It's just you know, the United States is still one of the best places in the world. And why do you think some people come here to visit and travel? And they come here to visit and travel, and they love it. And like, let's buy here. Let's buy a vacation house. Yeah, I mean, they buy as a vacation house and they use it a little bit, but it's really an investment. Yeah. And and if they're really looking backwards, they're seeing the appreciation over time. Exactly. Right? And so it's almost, it's been a guarantee for decades. It was it historically in the U.S. the last hundred years on average, it's like 9% appreciation per year on it, average. It's it's huge. Yeah. I mean, some years it goes up 20, some years it goes down, but average I think is like 9.2%. I mean, I don't, I don't study other countries, but I'd be surprised if it's like that, you know? Yeah. And China has a huge inventory yeah. issue, right? Yeah. So they've got all this inventory. Evergrande, uh, Evergrande was in the news a whole bunch yep. with how much you know n- new development is there that's sitting empty. Yep. Are any of the you know foreign investors you're working with, are they like holding the bag over there on some of these empty units? Um, my client, well, uh, not necessarily, but there, there was a lot of Chinese investment in downtown Los Angeles. I uh-huh. think Evergreen... Uh, started construction on quite a few high-rise projects, which I think they sold or are selling. I, I'm not involved in the commercial marketplace. But, um, yeah, I think they're definitely – that changed. I think there was some issue with them over there. And I also read in China there's a lot of these ghost cities that That's, they were yeah. building. Yeah. And no one ever moved in, no one ever sold. But I remember five, six years ago, clients coming from Asia and saying, well, you know, we just bought a place here and I bought a place here, and they were buying them just on paper, paying cash up front – before it was even started, it would be four or five years before it's even built. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of that imploded. But people were standing in line paying huge prices for that stuff. But yeah. now that's changed a little bit, obviously. Yeah, we don't. We certainly don't have that issue here. Any Really, in any market, it's yeah. usually a lack of inventory. And yeah. certainly your market, Beverly Hills, there's nowhere to, yeah. to And what's interesting, more. this year so far, there were a lot of very expensive condos built recently in the west side of L.A. And I thought, hmm... But the high, one of the highest segments of the market right now, these luxury, like, $30, $40 million condos, they're selling like hotcakes in these new buildings. And West Holly, particularly West Hollywood, you know, Sunset Strip area, it's quite amazing. Yeah. Um, kind of like the New York scene. Yeah, well, I mean, New York just, yeah. it's They just keep building and yeah. building, and, and these buildings keep getting taller and taller and taller. <laughs> it, it is, it's out I know. of control. I've been to the Burj uh, Al Khalifa in, in Dubai, which... One of our friends had a unit on the 125th floor, another one on the 75th floor. 
And when you're up that high above the clouds, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I personally wouldn't want to be in a high-rise like that in L.A. I don't think that they'll ever build like that in L.A. No. I think it's not a good idea. The L.A. tech scene is is pretty strong right now. Mm-hmm. For I mean, I know Spencer Raskoff's, you know, he's pretty involved with uh, .LA. Is that bringing a whole bunch of you know new buyers into into LA? Um, a few years ago, when Silicon Beach really became popular and like Google came in and all those companies, uh, it slowed down a little bit. And I I heard that a lot of leases now coming available in those some of those buildings. So I don't really know much about that tech scene, um, but I don't think it's quite as strong as it was a few years ago. I think okay. it, it was pre-COVID where it was really really popping a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that makes sense. And then yeah. COVID probably sl- slowed it down. Yeah, because I think I guess everyone now is kind of working from home, or b- yeah. especially in those kinds of industries. I don't think you have to be at an office particularly. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. You, you've got some more to be. We've all got some more to be. Um, <laughs> we only have seven things to do in one day or in three hours, right? <laughs> that's right. We're, we're, we're getting it all in when, when we're here. What would you want to leave, uh, you know, if any agent, any point in their career right now listening, what would you want to leave them as your one big piece of advice that they could take away from this? Don't worry about what's going on around you. There's always going to be challenges, bad situations, negative information. You got to just pay attention to it, see it, and then just kind of let it go and then do what you've got to do. Focus on where you're going, uh, who you can help, um, what you can do to serve your friends, your family, your clients. If you know People who get caught up in worry and fear they're wrapped up in themselves. So you got to just, look, we all have worries. We all have fears. We all have anxieties. I just, I get over them quickly because I got an appointment. I got to meet this person. I got to help this person. So what I, what's happening to me is really inconsequential. I can think about that when I'm at home, but just always keep moving forward. Always be, have a positive slant to things and uh, just always do your best every single day. Stay in motion. It's what, it's what you did in COVID. You kept going to the office. Exactly. Exactly. yeah, I think that's great advice because it's easy to get in your head. Oh, it's easy. Very yeah. easy. Yeah. Chris, Christoph, you, <laughs> he's been doing it, guys, since 1989. You've got, Hard to believe. You've got to follow and connect with him. He's got so much wisdom. I always appreciate getting to hang out with you well, and thank you. learning from you and, and just you know chatting. So. And it's always nice to hang out with you, too. Thank so you. thank you for having me on here. I'll see you in your town soon. Okay. Okay.